Hey everyone, and welcome back to another book podcast. This week's episode is a continuation of my chat with the incredible new CEO of Unbound, Will Harris, where we discuss the ins and outs of the publishing industry and provide a very in-depth review of the Bourbon Biscuit. Or is it bourbon? We hope you enjoy the episode. We love books at Unbound where, um, you know, this might be a slightly strange book, but... uh, this book could only have been written by this particular person. Yeah. Um, those kind of really unique things are, are really exciting for us. And you can find a market for them online. Yes, definitely. I mean, we're, we're publishing a book on seaweed. And I have to say I was a complete novice. I knew nothing about seaweed other than the fact that I didn't like standing on it when I went into the sea. Um, and then we took on this book. And the things that have come out since that I found out about seaweed is incredible. And the amount of people that are supportive of the cause, which is like kind of creating a more sustainable future using and marine something. biology and oh sustainability gosh. and eco creds, you know, incredible. All these things you can bring together these disparate communities in a way that you just can't do in the physical world. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely insane. Even uh, we found Jason Momoa holding the book, which was Aqua, Aquaman holding our book of seaweed was possibly one of the best days at this company we absolutely loved it and without social media we wouldn't have known it did he have his shirt on or shirt off i mean sadly for us he sadly shirt shirt on (laughs) but uh, you know we'll we'll take it Uh, we would have preferred it without but we'll take we'll take what we get (laughs) that's what photoshop's for exactly but um no we we were happy to receive any kind of photo of it um but the other thing we've been doing recently is uh we've been attempting to especially with our non-fiction books um have an ai simulator come up with a cover design and when our editor said this to me i was skeptical to say the least and was had no idea of what it was going to come out with and i absolutely loved the results like they were incredible do you think the ai is maybe going to kind of start working its way into publishing more um for sure in the sense that i think ai is going to work its way into every every element of our lives of everything <laughs> um and it's one of those things again where i think it's it's fruitless to try and push against it it's more fruitful to think how can i leverage this to do something mm-hmm. so i um you know, I, I love using um, ChatGPT, which is the one that sort of everyone's using to answer questions or to write sort of paragraphs of things. Everyone's terrified that students are going to use it to plagiarise. Yes. It's like, oh, yes, because no student ever cheated on any essay ever. You know, that's a brand new thing. Um, <laughs> you know, for me, it was really interesting to... Um, <laughs> I wrote a draft of a, a letter that I had to send to... Um, our shareholders and it was you know um unbounds is a is a private company so we send out updates to our shareholders about the performance of the company and how well it's been done and i said please write me a you know dear chat gpt please write me a um a note in the form of a shareholder update that explains that we've done this 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 and this and sort of within 30 seconds, it had given me a pretty good facsimile wow. of what I had done. And I um, 
I didn't use it because I felt like a little bit of fraud using it, but it certainly inspired some some thinking. In fact, I went to a um, I, I my my I, my university degree was um, was law, so I, I sort of trained as a lawyer first, and I went to a law debate recently um, about um, how about the effect that that AI is going to have on. Um, copyright law because mm-hmm. obviously the sort of generative art that you see from the sort of things that you might be using to do a cover design is generally using as a sample sort of lots of art that's curated from the internet yeah a lot of which is copyrighted so then there's a really murky legal question about like is the output of what you've created then copyrighted because you've sourced it effectively from a set of copyrighted materials but then you go well isn't all art kind of plagiarism so (laughs) isn't you know aren't we all just synthesized everything (laughs) synthesized anyway and um i was arguing um i've been asked to argue in favor of of you know letting ai kind of run amok and so i asked chat gpt to to write me an argument about why (laughs) Um, it wasn't copyright infringement or why it was a good thing for humanity that we should be able to generate art and creativity in this way. And it wrote me a really persuasive <laughs> opening paragraph. And I got a great laugh when I, re- when I revealed to the audience that my opening statement had been written by an AI. So I think, wow. like everything, um, you know, technology is never an answer. It's a tool. Mm-hmm. And I think um, with everything going forward, you know, is is you know the kind of crowdfunding that we do is it going to save the publishing industry no but it's a tool for doing things differently mm-hmm. um is ai going to kill creativity no but it can it could help creativity i've seen great examples of um of maybe people who are um not the best not the best communicators not the best writers let's let's think outside of a literary context let's think just in a you know a business communications context mm-hmm. um write an email they know that they're maybe not very good at writing emails and so put it through and say can you make this can you rewrite this email in a business style and it'll splurge out something that's absolutely you know perfectly readable and you think yeah. well that's going to really help people who don't have that skill yeah to to bring that skill to the table and so i think you know i'm i'm never going to be the best artist can i make something approximating what i want as a stand-in illustration for something maybe yeah um can a a really experienced artist find a way of using ai to make their work even better maybe is it ever going to replace um actual the sort of the, the spark of creativity ai can can synthesize what's already there but it can't come up with anything new yeah and i think humans are going to have to get really good at coming up with new so that the ai can use it <laughs> for them <laughs> well i think it's our point of difference right um you can and i would argue there's a um an interesting parallel with the with the publishing industry right we we think about the publishing industry as often chasing trends. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, Fifty Shades comes out. How many different versions of Fifty Shades can everybody scramble to <laughs> do? Right. Well, David Walliams goes to number one. How many different you know celebrities can we get to do picture books? You know, yeah. you're going backwards. Um, I think it's easy for you know it will be easier in the future for stuff that is copycat 
to be to some degree automated. Um, but that original inspiration, that original insight into the human condition, which is what ultimately literature is about, um, that's still going to have to come from us because yeah. a human can't, can't, a computer rather, doesn't have the insight into the human condition that we as humans do. Yes, I think, yeah, I totally agree. And like, if, if someone's putting forward a manuscript and, you know, I'm sure an AI can edit it extremely well, but can they give the edits that a human would? Absolutely not. They couldn't make the sort of structural changes that would give the story like a whole nother level and it wouldn't be able to look into it or care about it the way our editors would. It would be a very kind of clinical maybe form, a, a great edit, but quite a clinical edit compared to... Clinical is a great way of thinking about it. A human could do. Yeah, yeah. Humans, humans are always going to think like humans. Yeah, but it's so impressive what AIs are doing at super, the same time. Uh, that, yes, that's it. It's super exciting, and I would um, encourage anybody to go and you know to go and play with either you know whether it's ChatGPT from OpenAI, whether it's um, one of the generative art um, systems that's out there. You know, it's amazing what can be done, and the inspiration that it can provide you to go and do other things. You know, mm. an, inter- an interesting. Um, we had a we had a pitch which was um, a woman who had um, kept all her diaries from her childhood and uh, digitized them all and oh. fed them into an AI and used that AI to create effectively a version of childhood her that she could go back and talk to. Oh my goodness! And the implications of that for you know you could ask say what what currently I am a you know a doctor in so and so what what did I what do I think of myself at wow. age fourteen and from everything that had come in those diaries you know and you think gosh that's going to be an incredible I mean uh, from my brain goes straight to like oh my god the therapy that you can <laughs> do with that <laughs> the inner child therapy but you know. Th- that's that's using AI in an incredibly creative way. That's incredible. I mean, all I can think of is younger me going, you're not a ballerina. What, <laughs> what are you doing? What a disappointment. <laughs> this was your dream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's true. Like the, the conversations you could have with your younger self would, would be incredible and kind of insights into your core being and and a lot of people talk about core memories and Mm. um at the moment and kind of videos will pop up of uh, like a man and his child or something and they'll be like oh this child's having a core memory and you know even thinking back to um my mum always says she wishes that we had she had a smartphone when we were children so that she could just easily take pictures Mm. and videos of us whereas if you actually had yourself to talk to about these memories which you know you get older and you forget so much about your childhood so to actually remember little things that happened during the day because you wrote them down that Mm. long ago as that you know 10 year old self that's incredible again it's all about the kind of the kind of art that we can't even think about yet because it it is to some degree still being invented and that's what's exciting it's not about are we going to replace you know x creative job with ai no it's just going to allow us to do loads more things that we can't even think about right now yeah that that isn't even in someone's brain capacity to deal (laughs) with yet 
Oh, amazing. And um, I'd love to ask you what your favourite book of the past year has been, if you can think, <laughs> if you can think of one. It can be an unbound one. doesn't have to be an unbound one. It can be an unbound one. Um, I have really enjoyed... Um, well, I'll give you an unbound one and then I'll give you a non-unbound one. Um, we did a fantastic book called um, The Mab, which I grew up I grew up in Wales. I'm a Welsh person and yeah. it's a um, a new translation of a very traditional um, Welsh text. Um, a bunch of um, Welsh sort of mythology and, and fairy tales oh, incredible. newly translated. And we, it's got a beautiful colour of illustration and... Um, we, it's 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 a really fantastic kind of cultural book. It has gone into all sorts of sort of schools as a, as a teaching aid. That was something I was really proud of publishing um, last year. I would say for a um, for a non um, a non unbound book, I really enjoyed reading um, the Myth of Normal by um, a chap called Dr. Gabor Mate, who talks a lot about. Um, the idea of, of of being normal in a society that's a little bit mad mm-hmm. and childhood trauma and what we think about when we think about health and illness. And it's a really interesting insight into, um, I suppose, some of the more subconscious elements of the human condition. It's a, it's a great read so if you're into um, if you're into psychology. Wow, amazing. And I have to ask, given that you are Welsh, would you have been able to read the... It, like original myths in Welsh. Ah, sadly not. Oh, sadly okay. not. I went to an English speaking school. My right. um, my cousins who lived a little bit further into into the heart of Wales went to Welsh speaking schools, so could um, so could have done the original. But for me, it was lovely to have a um, to have a, a translation of it. And we we um, asked um, Michael Sheen to do the foreword to it, and he oh, wrote incredible. the most beautiful, beautiful foreword, which is is worth picking up just for that. Oh, amazing! You see, even stuff like that, you know. Michael Sheen that's so, that's so amazing to have worked with him and and you know to know I didn't even know that he could write you know I always oh, think of him as a brilliant writer actor. brilliant oh, writer interesting okay well that's me going and buying that tomorrow but, uh, and that that non-fiction one do you know who that was published by uh, I'm afraid I'm I don't. Put, put You'd have to put, put it, yeah, put it, in, put it in the show notes. Okay, and I mean it's an, it's an interesting point. It's an interesting point because. Um, you know, we don't often we think about books and we don't think about publishers. I don't think, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I enjoy about Unbound is that because we have this direct relationship with the people buying books from us, you know, of course we sell through Waterstones and, and Amazon and all those, sort, you know, key people and independent booksellers who are so crucial for us. But because we can sell through Unbound.com, people know Unbound as mm-hmm. a brand and will often think, oh, I wonder what the new book is from that's come out from Unbound this week yeah. nobody really wakes up in the morning and says like oh I must buy the new Simon and Schuster book yeah. uh, it's not, yeah. not really a thing so actually the fact I can't remember um, who published The Power of Normal is is maybe a, a, a great indication that we're in the right business yeah. <laughs> I mean it's true because especially like even Penguin who's you know everybody knows Penguin but they've got so many imprints and so it's true you don't think oh I'm going to pick up this specific imprints book. Yeah, you know? when I think about picking up a penguin I'm thinking about something entirely <laughs> something entirely I'm different. For a really good joke and a really nice <laughs> bit of chocolate. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I mean that's cuz that's what we're trying um, a lot to do recently is just you know especially after covid it it kind of felt we were only 
um, kind of chatting to people via you know mm. our our online platforms and and because we're not a company that you know kind of starts off in that way where we've got this immediate connection with the reader because they've kind of chosen the book mm. it's a it's our job well mine specifically to like <laughs> you know build this kind of you know momentum up for it mine and Lucy our publicity manager and it's you know it's something that you then get so behind and we just we want to be more of like we want people to think oh I wonder what legend are publishing at the moment mm. or hero or University yeah. of Buckingham but building, building a consumer brand is is, is super difficult mm. so um, you're, you're doing a good job of doing it <laughs> I hope so well on to the most important part of the podcast that has nothing to do with books AI or publishing <laughs> we are going to be rating the do you, would you say bourbon cream I would say a bourbon cream okay because I've had some people say bourbon and I don't think it's right because it's felt like bourbon the whiskey, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to say when you said you brought some bourbon for me to try, I was getting, I was getting really <laughs> excited. And it turns out it's a um, it's a, the biscuit the, rather the than the, biscuit. rather than the spirit. <laughs> so what have we got? We've got a, we've got a Tesco's bourbon cream. We've got Tesco's own, own bourbon creams because personally, I don't think it needs to be branded when it comes to bourbons and custard creams. But maybe no. do you well? Disagree? So in my um, in my early journalism days, one of my one of my innovations as a tech journalist was that every Christmas, so so as a tech journalist, you do lots of lots of roundups, lots of group tests. Um, what's the best computer out of X Y Z? What's got the best battery life? We did um, we we did a Christmas group test of mince pies, and it was always the best Ooh. mince pie that you would get in. And it's since been copied by a gazillion national newspapers. Ugh. But very often, it would be the Tesco zone or the Sainsbury's zone that came out as the as the top one. So really? I'm not adver- not adverse to a branded L- bourbon. Love love an own brand. Yeah. So let's, give it a, so let's give it a crunch. Should we do a little bit of an ASMR, ASMR crunch? crunch. <laughs> mm. Oh, I love it. So it's got good biscuit, mm-hmm. good texture to the biscuit, good crunch, but a little bit of softness in the middle of the biscuit, which is what you want. Yeah. I would like a little bit more cream for my money. Yeah. I think it's a little bit skimpy on the cream. It's stingy. The ratio of biscuit to cream is a little bit too high. Just going to give it another little nibble. I have to say, I'm I'm a massive chocolate person, but if I'm in the mood for a biscuit, this is this is what I want. Would you twist it? Twist the top half off? I would not. I have to say, I mean, always worth trying. But for me, that's like an Oreo move. You do, you twist off the Oreo, but you have to keep mm. the, the bourbon. So if you twist off bourbon. the top bit and you've just got cream and half a biscuit, is that is that it for you? That's a winner. <laughs> that's a good bourbon cream. Is it is it dunkable? Got a little bit of coffee. Got a little bit of coffee left. (laughs) Because I think a biscuit should definitely be rated on whether it's dunkable or not. Well, it's coffee and chocolate, so I would say that's a dunker. Can't go wrong. It is in every sense a slam dunk. So if I can push you to an out of ten, that's a solid seven and a half. With a little little bit more cream, you get up to an eight and a half. I think. So if you took off the top bit, would that knock it up a few points? Yeah, I think it might. Okay. I think it might. Interesting. I'll give give you a seven and a half though. Tesco's own brand. You've done all right. I would. I would give that an eight because I don't mind 
having more biscuit than cream when it comes to biscuit. If it's <laughs> if it's like actual chocolate, I must have chocolate and chocolate only. But when it is biscuit, cream, biscuit, I'm happy for You're it happy to be, with that. I'm happy for it to be heavily biscuit. Well, you've got the rest of the packets last you the afternoon. <laughs> oh, that's that's gonna barely last us an hour. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been so nice speaking to you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. And that's all for this week. The biggest thank you to Will for being on the podcast and thank you all for listening. If you liked this week's episode, make sure to give us a rating and review. It really does help us out. And if you share it on social media, make sure to tag us at legend underscore times on Instagram and at legend underscore times underscore on Twitter. Make sure to tune in again in two weeks time as we have the fabulous Georgina Moore on the podcast to talk all about her wonderful debut novel, The Garnet Girls, and her extremely accomplished career in book PR. Have a great Monday, everyone.